For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Hey, you're in like Flynn with Quentin Flynn here on The Geek Show. So glad to have you along. Keep it glued. Keep it glued? We don't even know what that means. Just stay here. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Geek Show with me, Rob, over Rob, and Andy is there as well. Yes. Hello. Well, hello, guys. And I bet you none of you are basically hiding away in a box fort. Yes. I've said that wrong. What I basically mean is, <laughs> right, like, to one side of me, I've got a wall of boxes where all my PC stuff came in. I have walls of boxes that are filled with, like, microphones and cables and stuff like that, and a... Uh, for some reason, the video cassette recorder. You do know they're basically useless outside of people who are like super hipsters. I know. It's it's an old one. We've had it in the house for ages. I keep meaning to take it to the charity shop and just give it away, and I keep forgetting. I have mentioned this off air before, but uh, a few years ago, super hipster music labels were launching like very limited runs of like fifty or a hundred um, albums or EPs on the cassette format. And when you told me, my first question was, why? The cassette is not a good format, you know. I grew up with the cassettes. The more you play it, the worse quality yeah. it gets. So. I, I grew up with the Walkman and stuff like that, and I can guarantee you, uh, I mean, I grew up with ZX Spectrum games, which you could basically, if you had a double tape, tape deck, you basically put the cassette with the game in on one side, a blank cassette in on the other side, close it up, press play on the cassette with the game on, press record on the cassette without the game on, and basically you copied the game like that. That was how easy copying games was on the ZX Spectrum. Well, that's funny, because I used to go to a friend of a friend that lived nearby, and he had stuff. Oh, hang on, did I say that loud? Yes. Um, I mean, um, um, look, purple hair. (laughs) Did I I get out? Did I swerve that one? Yeah. I mean, okay. It was just as bad with the Commodore Amiga because you could copy the games on the Commodore Amiga, but the the developers started getting wise to it, so they used to put like these code keys or these code wheels in with the games, so you couldn't actually access yeah. the game without the code wheel. But it was, was pretty s- bad until like what PlayStation Three was, isn't it? Um, what game copying? Yeah, I mean the Dreamcast was notorious for having loads of games. Uh, just basically, you just got them on CD instead, and. Yeah. The, it had like a, what was it the Bleamcast was it where uh, you could uh, you could basically play copied games and imported games and stuff like that. Yeah, but now we've got DRM, so you know. Just think we, as well. Yes. I would say just think you could uh, just put Blue Tack in the PS One and you could play copied games. Yeah, I know that was the worst <laughs> thing about it. What a world we live in, huh? <laughs> uh, I, that whole Blue Tack thing. Do you remember? Um, an old movie called Daryl. Uh, no, it was about. Some... Probably, I'm pretty sure that half the stuff that you just invent as references you make up on the spot. No, no, no. It was just basically uh, there was a scene in that movie. The movie's about a boy who's basically got a robotic brain, and 
he, he, you know, the military wants him back because of reasons. And so he escapes in one of those SR-71 Blackbirds. And the military is trying to get him back. And he basically takes out this piece of chewing gum he's got in his mouth and sticks it to the camera inside the SR-71. And the general says to him, did that kid just disable an entire Blackbird with a piece of chewing gum? That's uh, a scene that I find familiar. But anyhow, we have news, don't we? Yes. Yes, we got news. We had a geek show, and news is one of the things we'll be doing. And also going forward, we're going to be doing more of what we were just doing there. You know, just talking. Because we can talk, can't we? We have words. We have all of the best words. They do not belong to other people. They belong to us. You know, you've got to stop that, that Trump reference. It, it was funny once. Well, no, it was funny about half a dozen times. No, actually, it was funny for about six months. <laughs> and then... We haven't reached the end of that six-month period. Have we not? No. <laughs> oh, well, you're okay, then. Keep on using that reference. I've, still, that got a, reference? I've still got yeah, another... Yeah, in a, in a um, presidential... Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was pre-presidential. It was, a, it was a speech he was giving, and he said, I have words, I have all the best... No, I know words, well, I have people, all the best words. People who, who accuse Donald Trump of being stupid, and he says, I'm not stupid, I know words, I, I have all the best words. And I was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> well, to be honest, I have all the best words, but they're in a book somewhere. Yeah. It's called the dictionary. Yeah. And, and I, I would makes... think thesaurus, oh. actually, has got more words in. But... And what makes a word the best word? Um, I don't know. The word is it, best. Is, Maybe... is, is a word's like, quality marked on its scar in Scrabble? Possibly, or maybe it's just like, you know, maybe the best word is the word that you can tell all your secrets to and will never betray you and will always stand by you. Because if it's Scrabble Scar, it's a word of the queuing. Quizzing. Yeah, there's a link. Anyhow, as <laughs> yeah. I, we, 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 I tried to get it on in the news, but it didn't happen. So uh, no, we'll, no, go, no. we'll uh, go back uh, there. I, I can actually link this. I can actually segue. Quizzing, because it's got the Q and the Z, right? Someone else that has that in is Bezos, which is the surname of uh, Jeff Bezos or uh, Jeffrey Preston Jorgensen, as he was born. And he is, uh, he's an American engineer, technologist, retail entrepreneur, investor, philanthropist, blah, 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 blah. He's the founder, chairman, chief executive officer, owner, you know, doohickey, whatever, of Amazon. And he... Like Elon Musk and Richard Branson and every and everybody else, it seems who's a billionaire, is getting into this whole space tourism game, and he's got this uh, separate company called Blue Origin, and he's been talking about his new spacecraft. Right, they've got a new space yes. tourism vehicle called New Shepard, and it's going to carry tourists into suborbital space as early as twenty eighteen. But there's a thing that people have picked up on a little bit with this, right? In a kind of, you know, one of those slick Apple product press conference type things they used to do. Everyone seems to be doing them now, yeah? So Jeff Bezos has done something similar. And this was at the 33rd Annual Space Symposium in Colorado Springs. And he said to the crowd of people, go to the bathroom in advance. The whole thing from boarding until you're back on the ground is probably 40 to 41 minutes. You're going to be fine. So uh, you could dehydrate ever so slightly if you had a, have a weak bladder, right? The flight is fairly short, so most people should be fine. But just in case of accidents, various things like that, Bezos has said that all passengers 
will probably be required to wear a diaper. <laughs> I, I was thinking, is he going to say that they need a diaper for this? Yes. A man, man and woman nappy. Uh, they've justified it by saying the Apollo astronauts wore them on the moon, so there's no shame in it. You know what? What the funny thing here is, you remember a little while ago, can't remember what uh, show it featured on, but you basically the gist of the story was, um, kids keep your crayons safe and secret because your parents are stealing them. Yep. To do their adult coloring books. Yeah, we had well, that on uh, literary loitering. Well, there's there's no real way to go around this, but <laughs> huggies. adult nappies is a fetish. <laughs> Just imagine and pampers and huggies. It's going to be one of these things where. It, uh, 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 fetishists are going to be struggling to find their nappies because all these space travellers are stealing their, their good stuff. <laughs> can you imagine, though? You know how you can... how right, Back in the 80s, you couldn't really get much of this beauty product stuff for men. Most of it was for women. And then over the course of the 90s and the noughties, it basically changed, and all of a sudden you can get, like, you know, facial creams for men and all these, you know, and, and mani petties and all sorts of things to make men look beautiful. And I've just got this, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm just imagining just when this space tourism thing really kicks off, you'll see adverts on TV, like Huggies for him, Huggies for her. And you get the outrage. Yeah, you get out design that and you get the outrage fetishist. This is Aaron and when you could go to a shop in a brown cloak and come back with a bag of huggies. Hipster fetishist. Oh, you've got to go to the supermarket. Oh my god, have you just have we just created hipster fetishist? Yeah. <laughs> hipster fetishist. Yes. <laughs> I wonder what you know, just thinking of that, you know, you, you know the one thing you gotta do if you're going into like a a dirty shop or whatever you the, the term for them is, I don't know. Yeah. Don't to go to them because it's not really well. Yeah, I'm not going to dig a hole there. But the point <laughs> is, I wonder how many people actually buy those coats, those big brown overcoats. Who don't actually go in those shops? Like, what percentage buy them to go in those shops, and what percentage buy them because they're just a good coat? Um, I think that it depends on your age. If you are like sixty, uh, I think if you're over sixty, you're probably buying it because it's a good coat. Yeah, but if you're under sixty, you're probably buying it for other reasons. Maybe you're a spy. Yeah, spies, perverts, and the elderly. That's a really <laughs> weird Venn diagram. Oh, maybe you're Inspector Gadget. So what? Well, yeah, but he's not real, Andy. So what? <laughs> there's there's a Venn diagram, you know, like the three circles. Yeah. What about an elderly pervert spy? That's the target audience. That is the. Oh no 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 no. No, because you could have uh, Inspector Gadget cosplayers in there. So then you got four. <laughs> and then you got an elderly pervert spy Inspector Gadget cosplayer. That's a combination of things into one man. Yes. But getting back to the sort of core point, I know like, for a lot of people growing up um, in, well, I don't want to specify in any era really, but going into space is a dream. Yes. To see Earth from beyond Earth atmosphere is a dream. I'd yeah. like to do that. Never mind anybody else. But the idea of spending what's going to be a ridiculous amount of money going up in this loop, up, like, it doesn't go like normal, um, sp- uh, um, doesn't go from normal. No, it doesn't go into outer space. It stays in, uh, it's basically. No, no, but the point is, you have to, it, it goes as far out of space as it can. Yeah. But, yeah, it doesn't go from like the local airport, does it? You got to go like Kazakhstan because apparently that's all they're having. Kazakhstan. You know, Did you say Kazakhstan or Kazakhstan? <laughs> yeah, Kazakhstan. There's lots of stands and 
they're all in the same uh, neck of the woods. Like Uzbekistan, that's out there as well. Turkmenistan, but, Afghanistan. Yeah, there's lots of those stands. But my point is, you have to go there. You have to... The, the rocket that you go up in is not going to be sort of all flash and swish. Apparently the pod that Jeff Bezos has got is actually quite flash and swish. It just doesn't have a toilet in there. Yeah, so that's not really... <laughs> yeah. My point is, you do all that, this lengths you have to go to. You have to wear a man nappy, for God's sake. Yeah, or a woman see, nappy. See, he's the and thing. It's 40 minutes long. Yeah. Call me old-fashioned, but isn't that kind of anticlimactic? Yes, and people are going to have to pay thousands and thousands of pounds, dollars, whatever, dollar pounds, um, <laughs> to basically take this flight. But here's the thing, right? It's They say that it doesn't have a toilet in there, right? And Jeff Bezos really wants to keep this thing now. clean. <laughs> All I'm thinking is, if you go on and you're not wearing a nappy, then, boy, are you going to have an accident because from takeoff, you're going to have a lot of G-force. It's gonna be a lot of flapping around. Yeah, unless you're a, unless you're a trained astronaut or pilot, you're not gonna be able to handle that. Can you imagine? So like your whole grind is gonna be this one big red saw. <laughs> Can you imagine some fifty-five-year-old having a midlife crisis wants to go uh, wants to go on this flight? You know, he's done everything that's that that's he could do, but you know he's a bit out of shape, but overweight, wearing his, wearing his finest jumpsuit, gets on. And suddenly he's he's under like nine G's of pressure. His stomach feels like it's going inside out or through his back. And everything that's in there is getting evacuated through the nearest exit. God, imagine imagine that, zero gravity. Uh, ooh, what's just hit me in the head? <laughs> is it a Twinkie? Oh, no, no, it's not a Twinkie. <sighs> oh. well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not quite as um, extreme, but uh, astronauts have to be super fit, don't they? Yes, they do. They have to be super so, fit. So um, it, it's like to turn it into another holiday. It's like going to Club 18 to 13 saying, oh, can you handle 20 pints? If you can't handle 20 pints in one sitting, you're not good enough. you got to up your game. you got to go training. Train your game, and then you can have 20 pints. Because it, that sort of thing, being fit enough to do, go on a certain holiday, just doesn't exist any, otherwise, does it? Mm, this is true. I know the Club 18 or 30 was a bad example, but it was the first thing that popped into my head. No, it's fine. Uh, I totally agree with you. <sighs> but, yeah, I mean, speaking of Club 18 to 30, um, anyone under the age of 18, right, has a bit of a problem. Or, rather, they're noticing a bit of a problem with a lot of, pe- with a lot of people under the age of 18. Because uh, the, uh, the teaching union NASUT, or N-A-S-U-W-T, um, I don't know what that stands for, and I'm not even going to try and look for it. It sounds like the name of a troll from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they found, they basically tested uh, 1,500 or so teachers. They basically asked them um, about tests and schoolwork and stuff like that, and 35% of these teachers said that there was a problem. See, what's been happening is because kids are spending so much time online, so much more time online, they're getting... They're getting, they're getting very, very, very strange ideas about facts. And it's not that they're using alternative facts in their newswork, uh, sorry, in their schoolwork. Well, actually, it kind of is because a lot more kids now, and the, the number is increasing, they're actually using fake news in their schoolwork. Uh, yeah, yeah. I thought, well, fake news is a thing, isn't it? It's... 
It's always been a thing, though. It's yeah, like... but the thing is, there's fake news and then there's fake news. Oh, yeah. No, no, I mean, what Andy said there, it's right. Fake news has has long long been a, a thing. Yeah, because the, um, the whole idea of journalism and of it being a sort of a noble profession that has basically gone down the toilet because journalists have been found to basically be making stuff up. Yeah, that's mm. fake news, isn't it? Yeah, Coaching exactly. Was around found exactly. Ah. <laughs> I mean, uh, one of the teachers said it's common for research research tasks to be completed by copying. From the first website Google offers, without any effort to compare with other result with other sources of verified information, which is pr- which is basically what's happening because kids generally are quite lazy when it comes to this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Wikipedia, well, Wikipedia, Wikipedia. Well, Wikipedia is as good as it is bad, you know. I mean, anybody can put anything in there. But yeah, didn't we have previously how there's basically an AI on there? Oh, the uh, the bots on Wikipedia that that are basically fighting a war against each other. Yeah. So yeah, Wikipedia is a funny one, but I think the biggest instigator of it recently is Facebook. Uh, yes, because they've had to come out and say, "Yeah, we're fighting against it." Yeah, but how do they know which news is real and which is fake? Well, if it's posted by Britain first or any equivalent, it's fake, hundred percent, absolutely no chance of any being anything but. Because <laughs> those people do not fact check. Yeah, this is true. On a list of their problems, their fact checking is one of them. What about so. uh, what about one million mums? Is their news real or fake? To be honest, I've never really exposed myself to one million mums because one, I'd be in <laughs> Sorry, prison for what? a very long time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Two mums can be quite condescending when they want to be, especially when they're in such a mess, and especially when you just expose yourself to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. E. It's not a good idea. Don't expose yourself to one million mums people. Unless you want some severe criticism. Yes. Followed by prison. <laughs> uh, yeah, you'd be the, the the cream of the the, the prison yard, though, wouldn't you? <laughs> Me. People going, what are you in for? Ah, oh, I stabbed the guy. What are you in for? Oh, I stole from a shop. What are you in, guy? Expose myself to a million mums, I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, this guy is the king. <laughs> you'd be the king of the prison. You'd be the you'd yeah. be the prison jeebus. Yeah. Prison jeebus. Um But it is a sad thing, let's be honest. It is sad that, you know, kids have this resource. Yeah, they have you know, I, I I mean it wasn't when I was at school, because, you know, it wasn't really necessary, but college university I had to use books. You know the things that are made out of paper with ink on them. I'm the same for from from primary school all the way through university. The first time round, anyway, I had to use books. The internet was just coming into its own, uh, or just starting where to be a thing that more and more people used when I was at university in the mid '90s. And so a lot of what I had to use were books, and the we're talk, not talking small books. We're talking big, hefty books. Yeah. Yeah. I got. To, I remember doing a assignment in first year of university, and the lecturer gave me a right royal rollicking for citing Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, Andy, how come that never happened to you? <laughs> well, I never actually read a book. We know. <gasps> <laughs> That's why we're asking. How did you get away with it? <laughs> you found everything on the internet. Well, I put uh, there was a ebooks around where I skimmed through, and journals where I read the conclusion. <laughs> and just to specify this, listeners, he did actually get a first. Yes. 
He's not one of these third-class degree people. He's the first. He's one of the first. He'd get with honours, you know. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not, like, thinking in uni. It was still hard work, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but... It's like, if you have to read from the first page to the last page of book after book after book, I think if you don't learn from it, you may as well just read what you can. Yeah. It, it's sad for kids, really, because that's just the way they are. I mean, they're always in front of tablets. They're always in front of something. Mm. And they're always sort of accept... I mean, it's just a thing about na- naivety of kids, really, how they accept things as true. Yeah. Mm. And the internet is just very convenient, and convenience and naivety, as far as the internet goes, basically your enemies, biggest yeah. of enemies. Ah, shall we move on to something completely different? I think so. Because uh, <laughs> Andy Serkis might be out of a job. Oh, I Why? Uh, right. <sighs> how do I explain this? Right. You know, Andy Serkis is most famous for motion capture. He is like... Well, he's Gollum. Yeah, he's, he's the king. Well, he's Caesar as well. He's the king of motion capture. The emperor. And Snook, or whatever he's called. Uh, he's the mocap emperor. You know, he's the don of, like, uh, those suits with the little balls attached to them. And mm. so... Scientists at Stanford, they've come up with a less intrusive way of studying the motion of, of capturing the motion of animals. And that means that they don't need to use bodysuits and stuff like that anymore. Well, well, they don't need to. But let's be honest, if you put balls on a random monkey, he's not going to know where the camera is, is he? He's not going to hit his marks. Yeah, but what about birds and stuff like that? Can you imagine how difficult it is to put a motion cap, a mocap suit on a bird? But let's be honest, though, Rob. I don't think people are more cap-acting birds. Yeah, but Andy Serkis was a golem. Unless you can actually go out and find a golem. <laughs> well, certain <laughs> parts of the country. Certain, certain parts of the country you certainly could. But well, There's a couple of pubs I can name around here where you can find one. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, yes, you can do that. And yes, that would be great for stuff like games. And uh, yeah, games generally. Sort of uh, background and animation, background sort of stuff. Yeah. But the thing about Andy Serkis is he's... Brilliant at what he does because he puts the acting in there as well. Yeah, he puts like a level of emotion in there that uh, makes that character really relatable and really um, understandable and likable. Like Caesar the Ape, he was like the best part of like there's two movies so far, and he's basically a guy in a suit with a load of balls on it. This is true. So that I think that's important. You know, while you know that that exists as a thing. I don't think monkeys generally have like a notion or a concept of acting. True. That's a really smart monkey. Except that monkey that was in that movie with uh, Adam West. What about Cheetah from the Tarzan movies or the old Tarzan TV series? That's a bit before my time, Rob, I'll be honest. You don't remember Johnny Weissmuller? No. What about Ace Ventura's monkey? He was quite smart. I imagine there's all eight of them, though. They do that a lot. It's the same with babies. Babies Babies and monkeys are quite similar. In a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see that viral video that went uh, that went out a while ago? I think it was it was last week or the week before. The family went to a zoo and they're all looking at this monkey and the monkey's the chimpanzee is just kind of going doing his usual thing, arms in the air, back to the ground, arms in the air, back to the ground, like some kind of uh, weird aerobics instructor. And the next thing you know, he's flinged his crap. <laughs> he's flung his crap at the crowd. And it's landed on some old grandma's nose. <laughs> Why did you even bring that up? That's horrible. <laughs> We're talking about monkeys. Oh. I thought it was hilarious. That kind of speaks volumes of you, Rob, I'll be honest. I've been hanging around with Andy too long. 
I take, <laughs> I take it as a story you can tell your grandchildren. It is. That's a story she could tell her grandchildren. Yeah, like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> she can even bring up the YouTube link for it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is fine. This new story, but at the end of the day, I don't think it changes anything. Ah, uh, true. Um, anyway, let's move on to Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of bits for Star Wars that uh, I found quite interesting. The first one is the new Star Wars theme parks. Apparently, your decisions there will have consequences if you decide. You have to explain to... that, right? Basically, if you decide to ride the attraction that puts the First Order against the Resistance, the side you pick will have uh, will have effects throughout the park. If you fly the Millennium Falcon in another ride, depending on how well you do, you may have a bounty hunter starting to go after you and various things like that. So basically what they're trying to do is create this interactive thing where your decisions actually have consequences. Um, and I found this... Just a little bit of an odd idea, because imagine if you're that kid who's really good and really smarmy, and you end up like doing the Kessel Run in like however long it is, or or do, you know breaking all of the games, just beating everybody, and you end up with all of the bounty hunters after you. You're going to be terrified. Says, "Mommy, mommy, who's that man in the shadowy outfit? Why is he following us? Why is he? Why is he disintegrating everything?" <laughs> <laughs> mommy, mommy, that guy found us is a big stupid doo-doo head <laughs> uh, His mum's just fascinated by the, by the guy's uh, strange helmet <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, this, this consequences thing It works for video games Why bring it into real life? It's like, um, it's like Telltale, but real, isn't it? Yes It's like, hmm are we going to see like a jabber, like going really slowly, like through the, like the down the road or something? Maybe because uh, maybe because this is this is like I this is blowing my mind because Disney have filed a patent <coughs> for soft humanoid robots, which means all Disney theme parks and possibly even the Star Wars theme parks could go Westworld. Oh dear! No, imagine Westworld this... was like humanoid robots that went well. They broke a bit and then started murdering people. Yeah. Ah. Now imagine the Star Wars theme park where you already have the dark. Uh, you know the the Empire versus the Republic, the uh, First Order versus the Resistance, and stuff like that, right? But but even before that, yeah, you'd be fine because if you've seen those movies, those stormtroopers can't shoot anything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but imagine in America. Where they have access to heavy weaponry at every Walmart. Um, <laughs> it's mostly in the south, the gun stuff. And it's more where prominent is it? in the south than it is in the north. I'm sorry, yeah, but, but where is where is where is Disneyland and Disney World in America? South, <laughs> Florida, isn't it? That's Florida, one of the most southern yeah. county. Florida, and California, state. isn't it? Yeah. So they're like the most southern states. I'm sorry, but all, all I can imagine right now is uh, is Mickey Mouse with an AK-47 <laughs> going revolution. <laughs> exactly. That it's gonna get into like a wax world esque, uh, like fighting. You know, like a red dwarf X. Yeah. Like you know, one of them's gonna be led by like Daffy Duck or something, and then 
the other one's going to be led by Goofy or something. Oh my god! I'm just ima- I'm just imagining you know those uh, all those Che Guevara t-shirts are going to have a picture of Mickey Mouse instead. <laughs> <laughs> Bathe in the blood of your enemies. <laughs> What's the appeal of Mickey Mouse anyway? I don't get him. I don't know. I don't know. He's in that same group as Kermit the Frog. You just don't get him. Oh, the prospect is... of Goofy being Mickey Mouse's father sounds really funny. <laughs> We're not going to get into the birds and the bees of that because that is a weird situation. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, so. Disney's doing weird things with the idea of a theme park then. Yeah. Um, and it's soft robots. Now, um, we're going to stick with robots because there is an odd thing that is being trialled in London and I don't understand this at all. Right. Okay. There is a company called Starship Technologies and they have delivery robots that are basically a little pod on six uh, you know on a six wheel track you know three wheels each side that trundles around and basically it opens the <coughs> it, it basically opens and closes its lid so you can take some out or put something in and they are trialing these in London in the Southwark area um for a courier company called Hermes and they're basically going around taking stuff to and to and fro in London you know going across traffic signals and everything like that. Now, my first thought when I saw this, right, my first thought was that's small enough for someone to just pick up and run off with. Well, the visual thing is, um, I think the best sort of comparison point is, you know, in I think it's the first Star, Star Wars? Yeah. Where in um, the, the space city... The Death Star... Uh, I know, like I run. I don't know what it is. It's like a space city uh, that's run ah, yeah. by Lando Calrissian. Oh, Death right, Star. Cloud City, yeah, Cloud City, yeah. Where there's these little robots that just run around and sort of ground level. Yeah, the mm. ones that go around going. Da, 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 da. Mm. I don't watch Star Wars enough to get like the uh, complete nuances of that reference, but down. But yeah, it's like tiny, tiny little things. Yeah, it's basically like a shoe with wheels on. Mm. Well, it's a bit it's size. Like, size. It's a bit bigger than that. It's uh, you know you've got to be able to store stuff in it. But uh, okay, a big wheels on then. It's still it's small like enough, a bas- like a basketballer's shoe with wheels on. <laughs> <laughs> it looks more like those nineties PC scanners. It does actually. You know, uh, what you where you'd actually lift the lid, put something in, and then you probably wait about half an hour for it to scan, type of thing. It does actually look like one of them. But the it thing is, like- the size of it, right? It's supposed to navigate London on its own. The size of it, if you've got a truck going through London, it's not going to see this and it's going to get smashed. Or you're going to get a couple of uh, a couple of guys going, do you know, I bet you we can steal that. <laughs> Thing is, though, isn't it basically... When they're pushing drones as like a delivery technique? Well, this is the alternative. This is the ground-based technique. I think drones would be actually more... Because uh, drones have been a problem for a lot of... Uh, air firms because people have been flying them up at that high level yeah, and getting into sort of the flight lines yeah. and causing problems with planes. Well, these robots are self-driving robots. All they've got to do there is electrify them somehow yeah. and keep them to bike lanes. But even then, that would probably still squash them. Yep. People will still try and steal either them or whatever's in them. Well, it, unless it's got a security device of some sort, and even if it does, they'll probably break that security device but uh unless it's got some kind of security device all you need to do is just basically one person at the front one person at the back lift it up 
Where's it going to go? It's on wheels. You should have a dual layer of uh, uh, security. It should, somebody should go into like the kingdom and be able to replicate the smell and sensation of a skunk. Is that what you're Dro- experiencing dropping, right now? Dropping Rob? a juice. Is that and... what you're experiencing right now, Rob? <laughs> Maybe. And uh, also electrifying it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put like a, like what, what they call it, a taser effect. No, I mean, there's, there's, there's places where you have to open to get this thing in and just electrify those like a really really strong taser yeah enough to kill a man there you go yeah <laughs> just remember to turn that bit off when it gets to its destination yes oh well yeah <clears throat> it's the fun of getting a parcel you know i've always commented the parcel is a bit too easy ah you know nothing more interesting than like the threat of life or death when you're opening something from amazon yep shall <laughs> we have a bit of crime Go on. Right. Um, a British burglar went to a warehouse one day and decided to steal certain things from the warehouse. And what he stole was worth $124,850. So just over £100,000. Yeah? Now, sure. the guy's name is Jason Hopwood. He's 47. And he pleaded guilty to burglary and fraudulent use of a registration plate because he basically faked the plates on the van he used to get away with these items. He stole 18 items in total. Can you guess what he stole? Combine harvester. No, he stole 18 items and managed to get them in a van. 18 combined harvesters <laughs> and mice. Nope. A big van. <laughs> nope. Uh, probably like, it was something like a sat-nav or something. Nope. Something with a, a thingy on. Nope. What he stole included a rhinoceros a crocodile, a sloth, a zebra, a penguin, and a pink flamingo. He basically stole a bunch of taxidermied animals. Why? That's the question everyone's asking. You can't really sell them. Well, you can, but it's not like people are going to be, you know, ripping your hand off, trying (laughs) to get them off you. Exactly. I'll pay any money for that taxidermied beaver. What? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's... Why? There's no real re- reason behind it. I don't know. You might have just broken into the warehouse looking for something to nick and saw them and thought, I'll have them. They're in big boxes. There must be like a fridge or something. <laughs> he gets to them, opens them and finds a... Finds, like a, 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 finds a rhino instead. <laughs> I can't keep then things again, in. And again, that sort of thing is becoming cool for some godforsaken reason. I think it's the hipsters. I think they just like this sort of thing. Because there is a bar in our local town, Middlesbrough, in uh, the UK, which is like the queen hive of hipsterdom. Yes. And it's got that sort of thing all over the wall. So Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Um, it's like a, an audience for this sort of thing. It's not a very big one. Yeah. According to uh, DC Stuart Goss of London's uh, London Met, right? Cataloging and exhibiting the stolen items was a truly unique and memorable experience, and this is certainly an investigation which will stay with me for years to come. I'll bet. Can you imagine the evidence room? Right, one stuffed and mounted lion head. It'll read like a bloody child's book, won't it? (laughs) (laughs) One very hungry caterpillar. One uh, one tundra wolf. To uh, mummy and daddy were walking through the zoo, and what did they see? They saw one kangaroo, one stuffed beaver. <laughs> go on, go on. Uh, but that guy, that burglar, wasn't a patch on 
a couple of guys who were already in prison. Right. And they were in Marion Correctional Institution, which is a law security, 2,500 capacity facility, which uh, which basically uses inmates to... to uh, in, sorry, which basically uses inmate labor to recycle old computers as part of their non-profit RE3 program. Now, Adam Johnson and Scott Spriggs were in that prison as tenants of the prison, let's call them, and they basically managed to salvage parts from this computer recycling thing that the prison does and built a couple of homebrew computers which they stashed in the ceiling and somehow they managed to run a a, a local area network cable all the way down to the prison's network and were basically siphoning internet <laughs> <laughs> inside the prison using their homebrew computers. They Sorry, they, they ran the ethernet cables all the way to... Uh, to the network switch, and they they basically <laughs> this is the best bit, right? Once they were connected to the to the internet, they downloaded articles on homemade drugs, plastics, explosives, and credit cards. Right? They accessed an article online from Bloomberg site that uh, detailed how to submit fraudulent tax returns and have the re- refunds wired to a debit card. Right? And they stole the identity of another inmate and used his name and social security number to apply for five credit cards. But there's more, right? They also downloaded a ton of porn, which they then transferred to inmates via thumb drive for favours from other inmates. And on top of that... What was this? What was this? <laughs> this was in a prison in Ohio. On top of that, they found all sorts of software for hacking and encryption, <laughs> brute force password crackers, email spamming, and all sorts of stuff like that. Hmm, I wonder what they were in prison for. <laughs> And then, Fancy giving uh, uh, inmates access to computer parts. Thing is, can you imagine? There's a you know, there's like a DDoS attack on, say, the FBI, and the FBI managed to track it back to a prison. <laughs> 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 so the guys who've done it are already been done for something else. How well they rumbled? Um, I think they just got. Uh, I think they just got careless. Because that's know. kind of genius. I know. When you think about it. Because when the the they think why what's happening with all this stuff why is why are we getting all these hits for these weird um, websites who's on the, pizza the to search the... the IP address and it says oh prison oh they must be doing research on like a <laughs> like an inmate what yeah. they did. probably oh. just said, uh, probably this shouldn't have put the LED lights in <laughs> this is true I know you have them Andy but what's the point in LED lights on your computer series they're never, they're never on. I've got an on off, well, an off blue and red switch, and it's always on off still. Yeah. My next build's going to have RGB ramming, so. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. Ah, uh, but yes. Does that mean, does that mean something? I have no idea. <laughs> red, it's a red, green, blue ram. It's a, uh, like, it just glows in a continuously moving, uh, multicolored ram, basically. Fancy. Well, you got to uh, appreciate the audacity of these people because they could basically have got away with that forever. Because yeah, the, 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 like they say, hide in plain sight. Yeah, you can't see the forest were. for the trees. So, uh, yeah, um, moving from Ohio though to Slovenia. Yeah, there is a firm in Slovenia that is uh, giving a certain object a twenty-first century makeover. Now, these objects don't really get much in the way of makeovers, but they are. They're adding, they're integrating into this particular object 
a 48-inch interactive screen that can show pictures, videos, and other digital content. And they have started putting them into a particular cemetery on the outskirts of Maribor, which is the second largest city in Slovenia. And these prototypes are uh, set up uh, with a variety of weatherproof and vandal-proof digital uh, you know, technology, and uh, they can interact with visitors. So, do you want to know what it is that they've made interactive? Toaster. Nope. Kettle. Nope. Doorbell. Nope. That is interactive. Oh. Well, yeah, in a manner of speaking. Well, to be honest, there was a toaster. But... Rob, when you get the wrong bus, you have to walk through a certain place to get home. Cemetery. Yes. Well, they're just they're going to get a lot creepier from now on because they are basically put this 48-inch screen into tombstones. <laughs> Why? <laughs> so you can record like a message before you pass away. And I mean, obviously people will do it to pay respects. Yeah. You know, give them like a, I would like to say, you know, those usual things that you get in American police procedure or whatever. This is all the people, if, you re- if you're watching this, I am dead sort of you know, <laughs> thing. But you get the, the practical joker like me who will basically use it as an excuse to do spooky stuff. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The tombstones, I got. Uh, they have a sensor so that when nobody's around, it'll only show the person's name and the year of their birth and death, which saves en- energy in the screen. But when someone someone is around, it'll show all sorts of other stuff. You and... say that's just the perfect opportunity to play, and it's also quite ingenious. <laughs> yes. Because when you think about it, the local cemetery... Um, stuff which is old fades. Rain fades it. Harsh weather fades it. But if they've got a way to keep this um, digital screen secure for both the ravages of time and weather, this could revolutionise um, cemeteries. But it could also give like a great opportunity for idiots like me to just play jokes and stupid fools who walk through. Yeah, exactly. And those stupid fools who think, you know what, I'm not going to walk around. I'm going to walk over all the graves. Because <laughs> yeah. people do exist. Yeah, and those people are going to get shouted at by the tombstone. Oh, what are you doing? Yeah, and you know somebody is going to go get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want I want to be that person. I want one of these tombstones. I want to be there with like a fake shotgun and some dungarees and a straw hat. Going get off my land. Although it's not, it's not really a stone, then is it? It can still be a stone. It can just be sort of planted into that stone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a version of King Arthur, isn't it? The iPad in the stone. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also really interesting because it's basically immortality, isn't it? Yeah, in a manner of speaking. But can you ima- can you imagine joke. if you were a bit of a bit of a joker during life, and in your death, you basically said, "Right, this is how I want to do this," and you basically filmed it in a certain way so that when somebody walks by, or you just you just appear and start cackling at them or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Head the door in like a like a horrible a gothic black dress. Yeah. Paint your face red. Have white eye contact lenses in. Oh my god! Can you imagine if they st- if they and then, did this and then with... learn how to speak tongues and then do yeah, that? If they did this with holograms, <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> well, it is that is the future, and that's the thing that I'm kind of disappointed that scientists and technology for where's where's holograms? Yeah. We were promised holograms by everything. Where are holograms? I want my holodeck. I still want my holodeck. And I think that's a little bit beyond the realm, like the realms of possibility. Yeah. It depends what you mean by hologram. Are you meaning the hologram as in message hologram, or are you meaning the hologram as in uh, Arnold Rimmer? 
<laughs> no, that's a bit that's a bit past the realms of possibility. Yeah. But you know, like you go into like a supermarket, and instead of having like a, a star welcomer, mm. if you walk, like walk past, this is the same way, same technology as like when you walk into a shop and you put your foot on the the square rubber circle on mm. the, the rubber um whatever, and the door opens. Mm. Same thing. You put your your feet on the another one of those things, and it'll activate a guy who welcomes you to the shop. So uh, really. I- Techno- they, hologram technology, they've got no excuse for it to be like this bad. Mm. Well, scientists are bad, bad scientists. Mm. Like what they've done on Mass Effect type of thing. Yeah, yeah, Where that sort talk- of thing. Yeah. Yes. Star-, Star Wars had them, and Star Wars was in a time long, long ago. So what's, what's, <laughs> <laughs> what's scientists' excuse there? Bless that technology going. Yes. Yeah. All this uh, futuristic stuff and everything's happened in the past. Yeah. Oh. Mm. You know, the future is a thing, and there are companies out there that are looking to the future. And with that in mind, we head over to uh, our favourite place in the world. That that strange, strange country. No, I'm not talking about England. I'm talking about our closest, our closest twin. Because effectively, uh, no, we are we are <laughs> twinned with this country in ways that we cannot even imagine. He's on about Japan. Yep. <laughs> We are very much like Japan. We pretend not to be, but we are. Yeah. We are. Um, KFC in Japan have decided, for some reason, that their chicken isn't tasty enough or good enough. They need to do more. They need to branch out. They need to diversify. Now, normally that would mean trying different meats, different products, things like that. Yeah? Mm. I guess. But when when a fast food chain decides to diversify... That doesn't usually mean a live-action mini-series. Of, oh, has it got Colonel Sanders in like a superpower <laughs> fight of the week thing? No. And, and all the bad guys, the chickens that he pulverizes. <laughs> no, unfortunately. Um, Do you got... think you've beaten me, Mr. Turkey Chicken Man? I've got a special surprise for you. And then he does his energy power attack and then chops the head off and then harvests the body and turns it into tasty fried chicken meals for all oh, the family. Can you imagine Bernard Matthews versus Ker- versus Colonel Sanders fighting? And I'm, the- I'm picturing it with like the really bad sort of stereotypical like kung fu movie dub. Yes. <laughs> and they say, ha And they begin every sentence like Speed Racer. Can we actually make this? <laughs> you know, Bernard Matthews. You know. <laughs> ah, Bernard Matthews, you thought you'd beat me. ha <laughs> no, no, Bernard. Ma- uh, you got Colonel Sanders with his Kentucky foo, and Bernard Matthews with his booty foo. I'm, I'm, mocking it. What is it actually? Okay, um, they've basically chosen a couple of people to play in, uh, play the roles in this. It's basically more a kind of comedy drama type thing. Um, Yui Ogura is making her live action, making this live action drama debut. Uh, in this short series called Kentucky Moshimo Gekijo Moshimo Ogura Yui, which is Kentucky What If Theatre, What If Yui Ogura. And the first episode is called The Girl Who Likes Plain Things, and it's basically she's playing a girl who loves original recipe chicken and is about to go on a drive date. And I'm sitting there thinking, so it's basically comedy drama. What is going on, KFC? You had this opportunity... (laughs) <laughs> I'm gotta be. Uh, I, I'm kind of ashamed that I came up with my idea because it makes what they're actually doing seem really boring. It is. I mean, you have Godzilla, you have Ultraman, you have all of these things. You could have Colonel Sanders versus Colonel Godzilla. Sanders has Super uh, Sentai mode. Yeah, yeah. but uh, what I've just uh, <laughs> took from 
what I've just took from that is Rob said people are playing the roles. So, like, who's playing the buckets? <laughs> oh, Andy, that's... Oh, come on. It's that like, was a good one. It's like Kentucky Fried Chicken Power. Activate. Form of <laughs> Big stick. Daddy. You know? <laughs> Can you imagine the way to activate their powers is to bite into a piece of chicken? <laughs> Oh, so he's basically turning into Popeye now. Yes. Aye, aye, yada. <laughs> Who, when you think about it, right, Popeye, <laughs> you know Popeye's closing lines are decidedly creepy. He's strong to the finish because he eats his spinach. Finish of what? <laughs> exactly. Why does Popeye look like that? That's not what a human being looks like. <laughs> I know. Uh... But what will this one be? He's a bit of a thicken. Because he eats his chicken. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> ah, I'm kind of disappointed in Japan now because we've just basically given them solid gold. Well, don't be disappointed anymore because Japan have given us solid gold as well. The adult game developer Hibiki Works. You know how... It's basically a porn game, isn't it? Yeah. Now, you know how porn is responsible for most of the technological development of the internet. Yeah, like videos, streaming. Embedded videos, streaming, all, all sorts of stuff like that, right? Well, maybe that is true for VR games as well, because the adult video game developer Hibiki Works uh, will be helping one lucky otaku have the wedding of their dreams with a 2D anime waifu. Oh! <laughs> right? <laughs> And they've announced, oh. a, <laughs> they've announced a lottery event to win a VR wedding fe- featuring characters from their upcoming game, New Wife, Lovely Excation, uh, which will be released in April. And fans can enter by filling out and mailing in the postcards included with their co- with copies of the game. The winner will be able to undergo a marriage ceremony with, oh. with one of the characters from the upcoming game in an actual wedding chapel in Tokyo's 23rd ward. I'll be honest, I'd be much more interested to see a woman marry Super Sentai Colonel Sanders Chicken Man. (laughs) Well, the thing is, they'll be able to wear a tuxedo in real life, but they'll be doing the wedding with a VR headset, and the character, the the bride, will be brought to life with an animation, uh, with the character animation tool VR Emote. What about women? What about women in that scenario? Don't know. This is why I suggested Kennel Kennel uh, Sanders Super Extreme Fight Night. <laughs> yes, because this this is just enabling. This oh, is yeah, it's enabling. But see, the thing is, a lot of these, a lot of, in Japan, a lot of otaku can't get dates, which is fine. Yeah, and doing stuff like this isn't helping them. They're just digging a deeper hole. Oh yeah, they're digging a deeper hole, but. It's a hole that maybe they can get out of at some point. Maybe they'll... Yeah, in, in, instead of thinking, you know what, this is a hole. I can't get a date. I'm, I'm very lonely. I could build a ladder to climb out of this hole. Or, nah, screw that. Where's the spade when I, when I left it? Let's dig this hole deeper. Let's see how far this hole goes. Yeah. See... That is kind of fitting analogy for that stuff. Mm. See, here's the thing. There are some people who don't climb out of the hole... What they do is stay in the hole, but drill sideways and make a new hole that is in a completely different and weird place. Although, the idea springs to mind, how fun would it be to sign somebody else up for this competition? Oh, yeah, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're a horrible person. (laughs) You'll guess what I've won for you. (laughs) 
you have won a wedding to a 2D anime waifu. <laughs> uh, but yeah. You guys. <laughs> As I was saying, some people stay in the hole but drill sideways and end up in a very different but, st- but still very weird place. Like Zen Jaja, or Zeng Jaja, who works as a robot designer and AI programmer, and he's based in the city of Hangzhou, and he unsuccessfully tried dating for six years. Yeah? Yeah. Now, <sighs> he got frustrated that he couldn't find the one, and he refused to go the way of other people who, in his country who took sex dolls as wives. As oh, in legally does that married them. Yeah, as in legally oh. married them. Instead, he basically built himself the perfect wife and married his robot wife. Hang on, can't, isn't there like, um, you know, like British people can buy Russian wives or what other countries do that? Thai brides as well, isn't it? Yeah. Why don't they just do that? That seems like an easier option. Go <laughs> to, to, to how many, how much money you probably paid building it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like validating that, but as far as the options go between marrying somebody and marrying a sex toy. Doesn't make financial sense, does it? Uh. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, this robot has... It, it's the Uncanny Valley. There's uh, the lifeless eyes there. And he built it himself. <laughs> this has anime written all over it, but it's not anime. It's real life, and it's in China. Oh. Do you know what the worst part is about this story? He quit his job at Huawei, who are one of the biggest tech companies in the world, because oh, he wanted God. a new start. It'd be like they went Tom Cruise's, not Tom Hanks's character in the Polar Express. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Tom Hanks's cal- character on Castaway. No, you were thinking Wilson. Wilson, yeah. <laughs> no, he did, he, he did have a go with Wilson, though. <laughs> it's high budget, Wilson. No, he must have had a go with Wilson, otherwise, how could Wilson perch so perfectly on top of that raft? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just the weird things people do I want to have a, a sense of love and belonging it's weird it's really yeah. weird I mean you understand that sense of longing yeah. that makes perfect sense we can all understand that but it's just the, sort of the extremities that some people go to it begs questions see this kind of it, it makes me concerned about Disney's idea for soft robots got <laughs> 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 to be rubbish for a while but then, and then they'll get better and, and better. And will go, hang yeah. on a minute. Yeah, and then maybe you two could marry a Disney princess. Oh, no. Bad <laughs> Rob. Were you, bad. were you saying Rob as in you two, or you two as in the band? Because that's a completely different scenario. Oh, my God. We don't, we don't, want, we don't want Robot Bono as well. <laughs> <laughs> what, is he going to fight for robot rights? He's going to stop in the middle of a song and talk about how, there are, how the calculators can't go to heaven yet. <laughs> yeah, he's going to so. be saving uh, everybody's life for peace and love. Was <laughs> he Mr. Burns on drugs? <laughs> no. From The Simpsons, I mean. Oh, was that Ringo Starr? Can't remember. No, no, it was Mr. Burns when he like went to the like, the clinic every Friday night and got injected with all oh, the drugs. Oh yeah, it was that X Files episode, wasn't it? And, and I thought it was, and he thought he was an alien. He went, peace and love, <laughs> and they start singing a song in the end. Uh, I love the, it, it was. Uh, I love the reaction. I bring you peace. He's bringing us peace. Kill it. Kill it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, Robot Brides. That's a hell of a place to end the show, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, when you think about sort of robots, mm. we always knew it was going to end up in some sort of sex tie. 
Even films got in on that. It didn't take sort of the anime subcultures to get his hands on that. No, oh, it was God. in the AI years ago, wasn't it? Oh yeah. God, the next Terminator is going to be so bad. Well, people <laughs> did lust after the anime, the uh, the TV series version quite bad. Yeah, but uh, that was because it was summer glow, and most of the people were coming off the back of uh, most of the people had this uh, Firefly. What's the word? This Firefly withdrawal. So as soon as they saw Summer Glow in something else, they went, oh, Summer Glow. Cheers for that, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is, Terminator, if it follows this route, is going to be far more terrifying. Yeah. And a bit like Species for some reason, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird note to end the show on, though, I think. <laughs> yes. So, um... But going forward... Uh... Right, so that's all we have time for uh, this week on The Geek Show. Um, the Geek Show is part of a network of programmes, a network of podcasts. To find more of them, covering all the sorts of bits and pieces of geek culture, from movies to comics and animation and more, uh, head to thegeekshow.co.uk or search for The Geek Show on Audio Boom or iTunes and you shall find them all. But... You can also find more information on thegeekshow.co.uk. And if you enjoyed the show, share it with your friends, give us a rating, subscribe. Word of mouth is good. And what helps word of mouth is more ratings and reviews on the the iTunes store. We don't like pushing for it, but word of mouth is good. Word of mouth is great. All hail world of mouth. Yes. But until next time, we are The Geek Show and we will continue to be The Geek Show. I have been Rob. I've been Andy. And I've been Rob. See you next time and thank you very much for listening. Muscly men in tight, scantily drawn women and plenty of controversy. Only on 4Panel, the Geek Show's exclusive comics and manga podcast. For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.